0: Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 130. Now today I'm talking to Darren Hart, professionally known as Hartz, who is an acclaimed musician, singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, music producer and killer guitar player. Over the years, Hearts has established himself as one of Australia's finest young talents, composing, recording and producing three studio albums, two EPs and a live album, securing three number one most played songs on Australian radio station Triple J. His 2014 long player album Daydreamer drew praise from none other than Prince, who noted that Hearts reminded him of how he was at that age. Hearts ended up jamming at Paisley Park. Uh, after those comments, which is pretty amazing. He was also awarded the GQ magazine Breakthrough Artist of the Year Award in 2016. He collaborated on a song with The Roots and Lenny Kravitz in the same year for the Olympic Games. And uh, with his live Triple J performances going viral, his premiere on Conan O'Brien's digital channel Team Coco and having songs on the UK Premier League Match of the Day has uh, seen him exposed to millions of listeners around the world. Pretty amazing for a young man still in his 20s, and Darren joins us today to talk primarily about his Hearts Plays Hendrix run of shows. We also talk about the Cricket World Cup, which he's involved in the opening of, and uh, we talk signature strats, fuzz pedals, and some hints about some upcoming solo music under the name of Hearts as well. It's a great interview, it's a pleasure to meet Darren, and uh, let's jump straight to it. Darren Hart, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, great to have you. One of the big things we're talking about, obviously, is going to be the Hart's Plays Hendrix shows, the, the tour that starts up in March, uh, runs through to June in Australia, which uh, looks amazing from the, the footage of some earlier shows. And uh, if we get time, I'd love to talk about um, some other aspects of your career and the Cricket World Cup and all, all sorts of good things going on yeah yeah for sure it's all exciting stuff so yeah i'm keen to talk about it awesome so hendrix what what does hendrix mean to you as a well i guess as a musician as a singer as a guitar player um
1: hendrix was the the main reason you know one of the main reasons why i got into playing guitar um when i was in high school i was playing drums a lot um i was doing drum lessons at the school and things like that and all my friends were guitarists and um I, I didn't really have an interest in it until I saw some videos of, um, uh, another guitarist named a uh, blues cars, buddy guy. Um, I saw some videos of him playing and I saw uh, one specific video of him playing and he was like being real flamboyant and he was like jumping off stage and he was playing in the <laughs> audience and you know, behind his head and screaming and yelling. And, and I was like, this is amazing. I was like, <laughs> I, I, and I hadn't known about blues music or anything. Like I was just, you know, I grew up on listening to like, you know, a lot of, hits music and pop music and things like that. Sure. So, um, so that was my first introduction. And then I started delving into blues music. And then obviously from Buddy Guy, I discovered people like, um, you know, all the blues, like all the, all the blues for from Muddy Waters, all the Kings, you know, yeah, and then yeah. eventually, um, eventually got onto Jimi Hendrix. And, um, when I heard Jimi Hendrix for the first time and, and his stuff, um, I heard all the live stuff and and his Woodstock performance and all that was my first kind of delving into Hendrix. I was blown away. I was blown away mostly by the freedom of expression that he had, that I hadn't quite seen in other people that I admired, like Buddy Guy and B.B. King and stuff Um, that he felt like fearless in his playing. He felt like, you know, he wasn't afraid of taking the guitar where it hadn't been before or, making bad notes or making just noise and and stuff and 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 i really like that i really like that kind of boldness that that he had in his playing and that's something that i resonated with immediately and i was like wow this guy's amazing so from then i kind of was hooked onto Jimi hendrix's music um obviously i started a lot more in depth in, um after that as i was you know getting more into music and and being a musician but um my first initial impressions was you know i I love this guy's freedom when he plays and freedom of expression um, with his art.
0: Sure, awesome man. Were you were you already playing guitar? So you said you were playing drums. Were you I was already... playing drums.
1: Um, I got into guitar because of that video from Buddy Guy. Yeah, okay. And, and, yep. and discovering Jimi Hendrix, but I wasn't serious about it. You know, like I was just doing. Like I had a, I think my old older brother for like a birthday present one year got like a nylon string like, little three quarter guitar. And we had that in our house for probably about six years before anyone ever touched it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was just one of the things that was always sitting in a corner. Yeah. Um, and then I I started playing John's, but we didn't really have the space in our house to, to have the drum kit. So um I would just play it in school um after after school and, and any anywhere I could. But um we had that guitar, so I thought, oh, might as well, you know, see if I can, you know, learn this this thing while I'm doing nothing. And You know, I'd be playing, like, that nylon string acoustic while my brother was playing video games or something like that. So I was just chilling on the couch um, playing playing guitar. So I was doing that for a good few years, probably two or three years playing every day just for fun, you know, just figuring out things or watching videos of Hendrix and trying to imitate, like, what notes he was playing and stuff because I I didn't have, like, a teacher or anything like that. I just didn't really know how to get into it. So I used to watch like videos of of blues guitarists and and other things that I was really inspired by to try and figure out the notes they were playing and and that was kind of my learning experience in getting into the guitar and then after a while um, I bought my first electric guitar um, which was a um, a copy of a three three five kind of model okay um, cool by by Samic I think it was about. 300 bucks at the time, or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never really spent money on a musical instrument before. So, so that was a big deal for me. So, um, and then once the electric started, you know, obviously every, every it just kind of, it just went from there. You know, once you, once you get your hands on electric guitar, yeah, absolutely. There's,
0: there's no put, there's no putting it down. So I took it a lot more seriously after that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Do you remember what you're plugging in your Samic to? Yeah. I had
1: a, um, small, Behringer, um like practice amp. I think it was like a 15 watt solid state. Um, it was it was the cheapest one you could get at the time. It was yeah, just like yeah. a little Behringer thing, but it had like 99 effects on it and stuff. You know those ones? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had like the delay and the and the um, reverbs and also had like distortions and overdrives and, and choruses and it, it had basically everything I needed at the time to like get excited about playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. So, all the um, tones,
0: man, good to go.
1: Yeah, so uh, we, we so me and my my older brother as well. He he got into it at the same time as I did, just because we had one in the house now, and it was just something cool. So um, so we see, yeah, we used to play with that amp a lot, and I, I hope my parents still have it somewhere. Actually, at their house, uh-huh. they might still have that that amp somewhere. But yeah, it was it was nice. Like I I didn't really know you know about gear and things like that then. I was just doing it for fun. So. Yeah. cheap, yeah. you know, samic guitar with a behringer was was all I needed to 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 play at that time.
0: So you've gone on and you've built this amazing solo career. Um you're in a, a position where you've got critical and, and uh popular attention and, and acclaim. So why and we might talk about some of that stuff if we can, but so why at this stage, why why put a Hendrix show together?
1: Um, well, this was something that was always in the back of my mind for at least a few years. Um well the way it started was I would I'd play like hearts shows and um I'd always finish the show with say a cover or something just to kind of give an audience something special. And a lot of the times it was a Hendrix cover. Uh-huh. And um after the shows I used to always get people come up to me and be like, Oh, that hit that Purple Haze was sick or that voodoo child was sick, <laughs> whatever I played. Yeah. And um and they used to request, they used to be like, Oh, you should you should do like a whole, you know, um, show of that kind of stuff. That would be cool to see you like play like all, uh, like a bunch of Hendrix stuff. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that, that could be cool. And I put out a video on YouTube um, of just me playing a cover of Purple Haze. I think this is probably like five, six years ago now. Uh-huh. Um, and that got like so much more attention than anything I was doing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everyone was like really, really into it. And they're like, man, it'd be awesome to see you play a um, Hendrix show. So from that time, it was in the back of my mind and I was thinking, yeah, I, I want to get around to this, but I put it on, on hold because I do want to focus on my career. As you said, like I wanted to do my own albums, I wanted to be my own artist and, and really focus on that. So um, I put a lot of time and energy into that and always in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, when I have a free chance or an off period between album cycles or something, I'm going to do this idea. Um, and then that was further encouraged by I was playing a show in New York um, a couple of years ago now, and um, uh, someone told me that Jimi Hendrix's nephew was going to be at the show, and um, and I thought, oh, this is an amazing time to drop in a, a Hendrix cover, um, and I thought, oh, it might be in bad taste. I don't, I don't know what the what the rule is here with that sort of thing. So, um, but I did it anyway. I think I played. I was either. and um and he was there and he came up to me after the show and he just congratulated me on everything and and he let me know how why he came down to check me out and what he'd be hearing about me and and he said that he really really enjoyed that that last cover and um and then i said to him right on the spot i'm like yeah you know a lot of people have been saying that i'm thinking about doing like a hendrix kind of tribute show not not an imitation in a way but yeah, more yeah. my rendition of this stuff mm-hmm. and he was like yeah yeah definitely I, I think that would be something cool um and then he gave me his number to, to give him a chat about it so um after a while I, I chatted to him about it and we talked through ideas about um putting this together and you know incorporating what we can and obviously with the Hendrix estate it's very very hard he he runs it and he works with his mum on that. which His mum's Jane Hendricks, who runs it. Yeah. So um so it's very hard with the licensing and things like that for all that kind of stuff. But they've been very supportive in in you know encouraging me to take on this project as well. So it was a perfect opportunity. You know, it was it was pitched to me for for 2019 last year um, to do it, um, and I accepted um, one show, the Melbourne show, um, and then it kind of inspired from there everyone was requesting it as well as venues were like oh we'd like to take on this show for 2020 and stuff so it turned into a tour pretty naturally so um as i said like it was in the back of my mind to do um i I was just waiting on timing and um and with other things i've got on maybe we'll chat about those a bit later sure um 2020 might have been you know a difficult period as well because there's a lot of stuff on this year for me as well so Uh Hopefully, yeah, hopefully everything um, goes well. But, yeah, it's going to be a very busy year with this tour included. Sure.
0: That's cool. That's cool, man. I see, like, a real conceptual similarity between you and Hendrix, too, in that um, he was interested in writing great accessible rock and pop tunes um, just filled with fierce guitar playing. And, and I hear that in your solo stuff, too. So it's uh, it looks to me like a real natural fit. And obviously, you've had that passion for jimmy's music from uh from very early on as well
1: yeah for sure you know i feel it. i feel it's natural you know yeah, it's, it's yeah. not something that is is forced you know i'm not sure I'm not, I'm not like doing this as as anything you know for money or anything to do with you know trying yeah. to progress what, what i've got sure i'm, I'm yeah. very happy releasing heart smoothing and, and and doing my own thing but this was something that i'd literally been thinking and planning for a while and before people's kind of because you know like I'd always be promising people stuff like they'll be like oh you know you should do a show like this I'm like yeah yeah next year for sure I'll do it and then like oh next year for sure I'll do it and that kind of goes on.
0: Yeah yeah. it
1: goes on. So it just felt like you know twenty nineteen and twenty twenty were good years to, to put it on and it was very natural and I'm very um blessed to have the opportunity to to do it and have the support from you know, everyone around me to, to
0: do it. That's cool, man. You seem to have an affinity with, with Jimmy yeah, kind of tones. I, um, I was listening to your Live in Brisbane album, which I love, and man, the fuzz on that record, your uh, your guitar tone on that is mammoth, fuzzy. Um, not Jimmy, maybe fuzzy. It's it's your own thing, but um, it seems like you can dial, dial into the Hendrix kind of tonal world pretty comfortably as well
1: yeah yeah i think so that that fuzz tone it's become a a bit of a hilarious staple in a way <laughs> in, in, in my um, in my music because it came about by accident um how i got that tone event like initially and it was so outrageously fuzzy that it kind of just stuck you know what i mean like it was kind of like well no one's going like this far with it like and, yeah. and stuff so it kind of stuck and i got kind of got used to it. it's very very hard to control though, life because of um you know obviously feedback issues and yeah, all that kind yeah. of issues <laughs> you have with having that much gain on something sure so um so yeah um that was kind of how, how the heart's tone developed but i was just always interested in the sound of fuzz and the sound that I'm going for with the Hendrix shows are a kind of, somewhat, somewhat in the, in a middle ground between the two. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not trying to recreate exactly Hendrix's rig, like his, his tone and his, his thing. But um, it's very much closer to Hendrix than it is to what you'd hear at a Heart's show. So it's a lot more bluesier, a lot more um, fuzz fuzzy uh not fuzzy uh, as in a lot more traditional fuzz like that maestro fuzz kind of sound buzz face kind of sound nice it's that kind of sound with obviously an octavia and and things like that 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 jim used as staples and i just think really fits the music so well so um you kind of have to have those when you when you reinterpret his music and a white pedal obviously sure so yeah um so yeah staying somewhat close to basics as well. You know, we're, we're doing it all as a three piece band. So um kinda like the experience was, there's no additional, you know, behind the scenes things going on. It's mm-hmm. just straight up what you see on stage is the sound. Um and then we're throwing in a few a few little surprises that I can't really talk about in terms of the show, okay. theatrics of it. Okay, cool. But um but yeah it's um yeah it's 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 pretty um it's it's pretty much middle ground from what people can expect from seeing a hearts show um and then what they can think they w- would expect from you know seeing a hendrix um hendrix's music being performed i don't know if tribute show is the right word to use for it cuz it's not exactly a what people would consider a tribute show i understand yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it's hearts playing hendrix that's that's what's on the that's what's on the poster yeah. so we want to see uh See you shine through all this material as well, which um, which I'm fully seeing on the videos. Hey, I notice you're playing um, on some of the videos. There's two main strats you seem to be playing. One of them's the the flipped lefty because you're a right hander, of course. But it's a it's a seventy style CBS strat. You're you're like a strat guy, yeah. Is that, that's your go to for for yeah most of the time, yeah. Did you notice? You know, when you're playing the flip strat, obviously the bridge pickup is now reversed and. The string tensions maybe a little different on the headstock. Are you noticing much of a magical thing happening when you got the flipped guitar, or is it still you're still just playing a strat?
1: Um, I noticed that the flipped bridge pickup does sound different. Uh-huh. Um, I, I didn't think it would sound that different until I played one of them.
0: Okay. Wow. Um,
1: and and it, it does sound different to to my ears. There's a there's more like aggression, a like more bite in it for some reason um and i really liked that um the thing that's hard to play though was the thing i didn't think about was the fact that you lose access to the upper frets because of the cutaway sure um, okay yeah because it's upside down so anything beyond like the 15th or 14th fret yeah yeah you can't really reach um <laughs> so so you kind of have to adapt your playing so i, I yeah. worked a way around it and stuff and i my hands are Pretty big, and so I can reach all the frets, but it's nowhere near as as you know easy as just you know going for that twenty first fret bend, you know, as as it is on a normal right handed one. Um, so so that's something I didn't think about. Another thing was that all the tone and the volume knobs, um, you're constantly knocking them with your strumming hand, Uh like you're. So, the Melbourne show that 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 um, teaser was filmed off, which was the only show we've really done so far, was um. Like halfway through the the songs, I noticed that like all my volumes and tones were on like one or two <laughs> and, and constantly rolling off. And I, yeah. I didn't think about that beforehand. And I was yeah. like, damn, why? And then um, after the show, I was like, oh, I've got to figure out a way to like glue them in place constantly okay. on 10. Yeah. So that's the only way around it because I can't figure out how to move my wrist around in a way or bend it that feels natural to me still but sure yep. i'm not hitting those things yeah and then i went back and watched hendrix stuff and i was like he for sure would have been doing the same thing yeah yeah like i, I don't know how he would have got around the issue particularly with the jackets he was wearing as well yeah
0: yeah um yeah the constantly rolling his, yeah yeah
1: rolling his um his tone and volume knobs down but yeah but but anyway that's that's something that i had to um that I have to learn to, to deal with now. And I'll probably have to figure out a way to just make them way more rigid um, on, on that strat. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was just a, a nice sort of touch for that show. Because as I said, like before, it's not supposed to be like a tribute imitation yeah, of kind yeah. of thing. But I I thought it'd be, because I saw it um, advertised in a music shop in Melbourne and I was like, oh man, that would be like a, a fun little thing to add to the show. So it's like, oh, I kind of got to get it. And those are pretty rare to come by, those uh-huh. in their early 90s or maybe late 90s ones. There those Bender did a run of them, specifically um, left handed, strung right handed guitars. Um, and they're, they're really good. Um, so they're really rare to, to, to find, particularly in, in Melbourne or in Australia. So I picked up that and I thought that would be a really good addition to the show. But I'd fully intended to use my, you know, my squire the one that everyone kind of has associated with me that painted one the
0: painted one yeah okay yep.
1: um i was um i was fully you know keen to to use that for the whole show but then i can't use a um a vibrato uh sorry a tremolo bar with with that squire because it feels like the it's going to snap the bridge every time i do it's not like a um like the, the model, the Squire, I play as the Squire at Finney and it's, it's kind of pretty cheap. It's not really that well made and stuff. So every time I try to use something like that, it just feels like it's going to snap or, you know, the, the strings will mm. no way stay in tune. So,
0: uh-huh.
1: so I, so that was a good addition too, because like, obviously with the Hendrix dive bomb stuff and all that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. um, it's, it, it's such a good effect to add to like this type of, um, these type of songs. So. I needed a guitar that I could do that comfortably with as well, so that's why I, I picked up that white one.
0: Yeah, cool, cool, man. Hey, funny thing. Um, talking about strats, when the uh, when the Johnny Diesel when the Diesel Signature Series Strat came out recently, um, through Strat, I just insted on the podcast page. What other Australians should get a Signature Strat? A lot of people said Ian Moss. Yep, fair enough. And uh, your name popped up a couple of times. What would uh What would a signature, a heart signature Strat look and sound like?
1: uh yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to, and you know, I've actually talked to, to Fender about it. Okay, Because yep. Um, I was um, I've been involved with Fender in the last couple of years, and they've helped me out with stuff. And I was in their new their their new campaign for their Ultra series recently. The new Fender Ultra oh, Strat, awesome, man, um, so cool. So I was the I was the the, the talent in the in the campaign videos which is amazing but um yeah I'd, I'd love to to have a signature strat it'd probably have to be a squire though and yeah, that's yeah. the problem just because it just I, I, I think now that i've kind of branded myself as as a squire player a lot of people really like the fact that there's you know a guitarist out there that's you know, still playing a squire and playing all these huge gigs and stuff with a, with a squire. And it's a stock squire. There's nothing done to it. Oh, I was going
0: to ask. Wow, that's cool.
1: No, nah, it's a, a straight up stock. It cost me about 200 at the time. This was like 2012 or something. And um, yeah, th- there's nothing done to it. And there's something motivating about, about that story. And I didn't realize it until people started telling me that, like, you know, um, they bought a squire affinity because of me because they saw me playing it you know on some huge gig i was playing or something like that and 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 they and that inspired them that you know you don't need the best gear to get in, into guitar and particularly a lot of young kids as well as and and people like early people that are early getting into guitar and they're you know um, wanting to start it's inspiring to see someone out there that's not using you know a four thousand dollar guitar you know it's 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 a cool look to yeah to see yeah. someone and i remember when because because i grew up like really poor you know coming from india to australia and things like that we didn't have a lot so when i got that first like Samick guitar um or even that nylon string i was playing that was i think just from target or something it was just one of those cheap ones um if i was to see like a guitar hero of the day like i don't know who it was at that time it was probably like jack white or something um, if I was to see someone like them playing a you know, guitar and, and and to be honest, Jack White used to in the White Stripes play like a, a, a cheaper model guitar that that was inspiring to me because it was like, wow, I don't need to be able to afford, you know, a $4,000 guitar with a full Marshall stack and, you know, all these boutique pedals just to get the same feeling of of freedom of expression that's playing the guitar than, you know, um, than people out there. So, in bringing the whole point back, like, and this is why I spoke to Fender about was like, I'd love to do a signature model, but I'd love to keep it on the more affordable end. Uh huh. Like, yeah, I'd, gotcha. I'd love to be one of those guitarists that makes something that's more for everybody, yeah, and particularly gotcha. for people that can get into, yeah, and get into guitar because there's not a whole lot of you know young guitarists coming about anymore, you know. So, I don't know if the future is a guitar future for music so i would like to play a part in encouraging that as much as i can you know making an affordable guitar on the 400 to 500 dollar mark or or however cheap you can get it the problem is that you can't do that for limited runs you know you can't do you know um it 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 costs a, a lot of money and there's not probably a lot of margin in doing squire stuff or doing stuff you know um cheap like that and i think if you're doing senior stuff, I think it's all custom shop, is it? Or is it, I don't know how they,
0: how they do all that, but. Yeah, um, I think think there's different levels. Yeah. There's definitely the custom shop stuff and then, yeah, some of it becomes a big production, but I understand what you mean with a smaller, a smaller run. I'm not sure how the diesel one worked out for Australia, for example. The diesel one was amazing by, by by the way, like I played that one in in the Fender thing. I was like, damn, this is really good.
1: Uh But yeah, I'd, I'd love to do, um, I'd love to love to have a, a signature range and maybe one day, um, I can do it with with Fender. Um, but yeah, I, I that was my thing was just like I'd like to really be the guy that's you know helping people, you know, get into guitar rather than just catering towards the people that are able to afford the best instruments. Sure, that makes yep. sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: definitely. That's, yeah, that's that's heaps cool. Hey, another. Great gig coming up in February. You're opening up the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup, and uh, you, right, yeah. you're on the the uh, like the theme song for the tournament, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that came about another real natural kind of organic thing because not many people know that I'm that I'm into sport, and obviously, um, for being of Indian background and stuff, my whole family's into cricket. It's very, very being in India. Um, so the opportunity came around for. Um, a bunch of artists in Australia to, to pitch, you know, their rendition of a song from the seventies called uh, get up and dance. I think it was like a one hit wonder or something.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't recognize it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they had a bunch of artists. um, This is um, what they've they've told me. They've had a bunch of artists, you know, record the versions um, and send it through and, and they kind of just, you know, wanted to go with the best one and the one that fit most with their campaign. Um, for the use in in the ads as well as on um, you know in their campaign marketing at yeah, pretty much their campaign theme song and um yeah they picked they picked mine which was amazing they were like yeah we really like this version it's very funky it's got that that prince kind of five as well which is something that i they love and 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 very um you know uh, very into creating so um so they they ran with my version and um And since then, they they thought, oh, it'd be an amazing opportunity to to, to get you to perform that song at the opening ceremony. And um, I thought, wow, that's that's an amazing opportunity. And, you know, I've only ever done a handful of stadium, you know, gigs before. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, yeah, I I jumped at the opportunity to to be involved in something like that. And it's it's the opening ceremony for the, pretty much the the year of cricket, because the women's final, the Women's World Cup is in February and March. And the men's is in October yeah, and November, yeah. and um, they're opening up the the year of cricket with with one opening ceremony. So it's going to be um, it's going to be exciting, you know what I mean? It's going to be me playing probably that squire to you know however many thousand people in a, <laughs> in a stadium and and playing the song that I um I arranged and and performed on um for the for the campaign uh, theme song. So yeah, I'm really cool. excited about that that's
0: awesome i think um i think the opening match is australia versus india if i'm not mistaken That's right yeah so that's a nice little uh representation of you as you said yeah, born in india came out here what you were two or three years old i think
1: yeah i was just a yeah just a child but yeah, but yeah it, it, that's what i mean like it's, it's just a natural thing because once they they heard the music and they they were like yeah we want to go with with hearts the version then um i went in for a meeting and and we just talked cricket like i talked cricket with the ceo for for a while and we're just talking about this and that and stuff and as i can see that i was you know genuinely interested um i think that's when the opportunities started coming about and it's so you know it's it's so typical of of the music industry and particularly the entertainment industry to work like that you know it's all about you know natural relationships you know things that build organically Mm -hmm. rather than forcing things
0: sure um so it was just a perfect fit for someone like me to to be involved in in this campaign yeah excellent fantastic darren i need to let you go but can i ask you one more question is there any uh once you get I don't want to say get through it. I, I, yeah, you're going to love doing the Hendrick shows, and they're they're going to be a huge smash. The World Cup's going to be amazing. Um, I'm a huge cricket nut, so it's very rare I get to talk cricket on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm yeah. super stoked to meet you. Um, but is there any any plans for any new Hearts music coming up uh, at some stage?
1: Um, just because you've been nice, I'm gonna <laughs> let you. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let you know that yeah, there is. Yeah, awesome. Um. There's more, there's more than just plans. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I can't really reveal more than that, but yeah, it's, um, and it's probably sooner than you think, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> so, Excellent. so, yeah, but yeah, um, I have been working hard in the studio for, um, pretty much the whole of last year and, and stuff. So, um, yeah,
0: um, the Hendrix stuff will take up a good
1: uh, portion of the year, but that doesn't mean that's the whole year. So yeah. Sure.
0: Excellent. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, mate, congratulations on um, all the stuff coming up, all the stuff you've, you know, you, the career you've built, which has brought you to to today and, and what's what's about to come up. And I uh, can't wait to hear more of what's uh, ahead for you.
1: Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to, to chat. Really appreciate it.
0: All right. There you go. My conversation with Darren Hart, a.k.a. Hart's Coming soon to a venue near you to smash out some Hendrix and uh, some new music later this year by the sounds of things. So hopefully we can get Darren back on the show and talk more about that. Alright, thank you so much for joining me. Remember you can head over to guitarspeakerpodcast.com where you can uh, access all of our previous interviews or find out links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast of things. There are links to buy a t-shirt uh, to our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, there's our contact details too if you want to shoot us a line about anything we're doing on the show. Love to hear from people. In fact, we've been receiving a lot of love for the show lately. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, as I tell people, the, the best way to, to support the show at this stage is to share episodes, get stuff out on your social media let people know what's happening and uh, that helps me spread the word about the guitar speak podcast all right time for me to go i've got a roast in the oven no joke so i'm going to attend to that (laughs) thanks for tuning in my name's matt wakeling you've been listening to the guitar speak podcast i'll catch you next time bye now